0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. I'm here today with Wing Commander Colin Matheson, who is Squadron Commander of the Medical Reserves at RAF Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire. Um, Firstly, Colin, could you tell us what your current role entails, please?
1: Yeah, um, I'm the I'm the commanding officer of uh, the Medical Reserve Squadron uh, at, at Bryce Norton. My job really is is overall command to recruit, train, and retain all the people uh, that are on my squadron. Now, the vast majority come from the NHS. Um, some of them work uh, for uh, other agencies, but they will nearly all be clinical professionals um, who have decided that they want to contribute um, and and generate extra challenges and opportunities by joining the reserves. Mm -hmm. Uh, My job uh, is to recruit more of them, uh, to make sure I retain uh, uh, as many as possible um, through the quality of the training that we can deliver. Mm
0: -hmm. So, a bit about you and your career history, can you talk our listeners through sort of how you've got to where you are today almost?
1: I joined the reserve forces 30 years ago. Um, My my civilian uh, career has taken various routes Uh, through the commercial world. Um, I'd always wanted to join the regular Air Force um, when I was a teenager. Uh, Unfortunately, a sporting injury curtailed that. Um, So I then uh, looked at joining the reserves. I spent two years in the Army Reserve. uh, And then 28 years ago, uh, I joined this squadron. I joined 4626 Squadron um, uh, as as a basic airman, uh, the lowest rank you can possibly be. Uh, And I joined uh, and I was trained how to be a medic, uh, how to be a flight nursing attendant, um, to help uh, and support our medical staff uh, on uh, aeromedical evacuation uh, uh, scenarios. And I gradually progressed through the ranks uh, after 10 years uh, in the ranks uh, and a deployment on in the first Gulf War uh, as a medic. Um, I then applied for a commission. Uh, so for the last 18 years I've, I've held a commission and again have gone through the ranks through pilot officer, flying officer, flight lieutenant, squadron leader, Uh, And now I find myself as a wing commander in charge of the squadron that I joined 28 years ago.
0: So why would you think members of the NHS should join the reserve forces? Uh,
1: There's an enormous challenge um, in terms of what we can offer uh, to people uh, that are within the NHS. But people within the NHS already that work in that organisation are exceptional people. Um, but often they, are look, they look for even more challenge and opportunity outside of their normal working week, and we can offer them that in the military. Um, the work they do within the NHS um, is already exceptional. We can teach them to take, bring those skills to the military, and we can teach them to utilise those skills in a military environment. Um, the medical reserves are vitally important, to everything the British forces do. And from the RAF point of view, uh, the Aeromedical Evacuation Chain simply would not work without reservists at every stage and every aspect of that uh, Aeromedical Evacuation Chain. Um, so what do they gain by coming to us? Excitement, uh, challenge uh, an opportunity. Uh, joining the reserves could well be one of the most exciting things that you have ever done.
0: So if our listeners are listening and they don't know which... Um, service to join how do you think they'd find their best
1: fit it's interesting that the Army Navy and Air Force combine to deliver probably the most outstanding clinical care for our military services in the world um, we are certainly the envy of every other military force however within that military within that medical service uh, the Army has a role the Air Force has a role the Navy has a role uh, what I would suggest to anybody is that before they make the commitment that they search online Um, look at the RAF uh, website, look at the Army, look at the Navy, make their own decisions, do some research to find out what we do. Now, the Air Force, we look after the aeromedical evacuation element uh, of that clinical chain. So therefore, whether that be um, taking uh, the emergency team directly to the casualty, uh, as we have done in Afghanistan, uh, with our medical emergency response team, the MERT, is the first aspect of of what we as a squadron and what RAF Medical Services deliver. We will then take that casualty back to a hospital, which may well be staffed by the Army and the Army Reserve, uh, where that casualty will receive a certain level of treatment. The Navy, of course, can deliver that capability on board a ship. Once that casualty has gone through that process and is ready to be evacuated back to the UK, that is when the Air Force will take over again, uh, and members of my squadron will deliver uh, the the, the clinical care on board the aircraft that that patient then needs to come home.
0: So if people listening to this feel that they could be restricted by their age or their fitness level, etc., what advice would you give to them?
1: You have to be fit. Um, you have to be able to uh, certainly go outside your front door, run for 15 minutes, probably turn around and run back again. That's a fairly good barometer. If you can do that two or three times a week, you can probably pass the RAF fitness test uh, and the military fitness test. Um, but I would also suggest that people, once again, research online. Um, our age limit at the moment for people with no military experience is age 50. Uh, for people that have got previous military experience it's 56,
0: so, some information for employers now, um, what do you think employing Reservists brings to an organisation?
1: As I've said already, r- Reserves are, are exceptional people. Um, they have a skill set that they bring to us that we can then develop even further. Um, we deliver leadership, management, personal development training that isn't available anywhere else in the world, really. Um, people, become, people develop by being in the Reserves. The experience that people gain on operations such as afghanistan um, is exceptional Um, and for our paramedics for our nurses for our doctors that have been deployed in afghanistan the experience the clinical experience and the advances in clinical care that they have been exposed to whilst being in afghanistan is immensely valuable to, to the nhs but even when we're not deployed The level of leadership training, of management training, uh, and as I said, of personal development training that somebody gets by being in the reserves is something that in in many organisations can't afford to give anymore, and we give it for free. Mm. Um, And I would emphasise to to all employers, if you can give an extra two weeks of of, of special leave for somebody to be in the reserves because of the training they get, you will be the one who benefits.
0: So you mentioned something there. What would you say are the top three things employers can do to support their Reservists?
1: I would say that the the first aspect is is to understand your Reservists. Talk to them. Mm -hmm. Find out what they're doing at at weekends. I guarantee you will be surprised Mm -hmm. at the the diverse range of training that your employee is getting by being a member of the Reserves. Whether it be clinical, whether it be leadership, whether it be military – all of these aspects are all combined to wrap up the, the reservist. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that somebody who is a reservist uh, and also a member of, of, of a medical organisation will look at having advanced uh, promotional capability um, because of the amount of different work that they have done and different experiences they have by being part of the reserve. But the first thing is the employer needs to understand a reservist, and the reservist needs to understand the employer. An awful lot of NHS trusts are now looking at having uh, reservist committees whereby they do actually get into a room with line managers, with HR directors, with the reservists themselves, to discuss issues, to to discuss the matters of the moment, and to actually find out more about each other. Mm -hmm. So if the employer can understand the reservist, then the employer has a better understanding of the whole of the reserves, and what we bring to the party and and what they can benefit from. Mm -hmm. Secondly is I would ask for employers to support the reserves. Um, So once they understand um, what that reservist is doing, if they can offer the support by then giving additional leave, whether that be paid or unpaid, obviously we prefer it to be paid leave, because this is free training that this employee is gaining thanks to the military. Mm -hmm. So support that reservist as much as you can. Understand what that reservist has to do when their training weekends are, um, when their annual camp is. Every squadron commander th- throughout the reserves now is mandated to contact line managers um, for employees um, within the NHS. If an employer hasn't had that letter, hasn't had that information, then find out from their employee why not. And therefore um, squadrons can then make sure that they are in contact with the employer so that we have a mutually beneficial relationship, rather than being completely isolated. Mm. Finally, I would I would ask employers to, to encourage, to encourage more of their employees uh, to join the reserves or to consider joining the reserves. We have uh, at the moment within the medical reserves 200 or so exceptionally talented, uh, enthusiastic people that give up their spare time to come and be reservists, as well as working in very, very busy NHS environments. However, they are exceptional people um, who give as much to their regular employer as they do to their reservist employer. If If the regular employer can encourage more people to do that and support the reserves, then we can help more of their employees.
0: Um, thinking about mobilisation now, when members of your squadron have mobilised in the past, um, how have you supported their trusts?
1: By having the relationships that, that we've spoken about, uh, of, of having an open relationship with employers and having a line of communication, um, we always try and mobilise people intelligently. We always try to mobilise people in advance so that they can give their employers 6 months, 12 months, even 18 months notice uh, if, if possible. We try and have that relationship whereby the employer and the employee uh, work together to work out the best time for somebody to go and be mobilised. There is an acceptance that somebody could be deployed away from their employer for six to nine months or even 12 months. By working with the employer and the employee and the squadron, we can make sure that we plan ahead um, and that, that everybody benefits and nobody is disadvantaged.